What's up, y'all a little faith? And welcome to episode 10 of season two of the Fagnostic Podcast. I'm your hostess, not your Moses, Matt Hayes. And if I'm still giving you episodes, it means that I am still looking for answers. Y'all, today I have the privilege of speaking with Amir Yas. He's a queer Muslim unicorn who doesn't shy away from any conversation as you're going to hear today. He's an LGBTQ activist battling against racism, transphobia, and body shaming in the queer community. Creating a safe space is of the utmost importance to him. Previously a Hollywood publicist, he found fame during the pandemic on TikTok, where he's garnered over 30 million views and has gone viral countless times. He's been in Cosmopolitan Magazine, E! News, BuzzFeed, Just Jared, Hollywood Live, the LA Times, and countless other publications. Most recently, he consulted on American Gods on Stars and Love Victor on Hulu. Get ready for an hour of heavy discussions with hearty laughs and hilarious quips. Welcome to the show, Amir Yaz. Amir Yas, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. Um, I came across you recently and just went down a rabbit hole with your socials because it was just, A, it was fascinating and, and authentic and honest, but also hilarious. Um, and I, as much as I dive into, um, you know, what's going on in the world, uh, having an air of comedy behind it really helped me absorb some of the things you were sharing. Um, and so it allowed me to not get rage filled until after the fact. Um, <laughs> so thank yep. you for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. So can you, uh, answer my first question? Sure. Uh, are you a believer? Um, absolutely. I mean, I spent most of my life being a very, very devout Muslim, praying, fasting, you know, the whole shebang. Um, and I think that as I settled into my sexuality, that became harder and harder to to uphold, or so I thought, right? I thought that I was never going to be religious enough for the Muslims, never gay enough for the gays, right? And what I realized is my relationship with God is personal. So um, I will answer your question, but I do believe that like, as we come into this new world, I think your personal beliefs should stay out of politics should stay out of your workplace it's a personal thing so when you do it we need to stop with the judgment i think the number one thing with all monotheistic religions and most spiritual religions as well is to not be judgmental so for all the people who have bible quotes in their you know profiles that tell me to kill myself probably want to reconsider what you're putting out there um if that's your message and i get it if you believe it's wrong and stuff but it's good to kind of alter that message but yeah absolutely i mean i am as i say i pray on a you know on a plane if there's turbulence so that i try to remind <laughs> myself to pray in other situations but um no definitely a believer and i think what is the weirdest thing in my whole experience um, of being a believer is that I actually became a better Muslim by coming out, which for a lot of people is really hard to wrap their mind around because you're doing something that is going to, you know, take you to hell is yeah. going to, you know, is going to ruin your relationship is going to ruin your religious beliefs, but it actually made me a better person, which is, which is a very interesting twist. I hear that a lot from people who have maintained their faith or spirituality or, or overcome the toxic aspects of their faith and spirituality um, and that they actually felt closer to God after coming out, which was also my story too, before I kind of um, spiraled into agnosticism. Um, but I certainly felt the same way. Um, sure. Can you identify your pronouns for us? Oh, absolutely. So it's he, him. And, you know, I think that uh, for anyone out there, and I talk about this a lot, is with pronouns where people think it's not important. Um, there was an amazing commercial that um, Indeed did um, during Pride, which I thought was the best commercial that I've seen ever for pride was a trans person being correctly you know 
used pronouns and correctly identified by the employer. And the person's smile in the commercial was just like so wide and so powerful that for a lot of people, pronouns are like, oh, it's too hard to say. But for someone, it can be life affirming. So just keep that in mind in the back of your head. You're so correct in that. Yeah. People often ask me because I present how most people perceive a male to present. Mm -hmm. Um, So why is it important for me to have he, him and my um, email closings? And it's just to create visibility for other people to have the space to say their pronouns if they don't present how Mm -hmm. the world thinks they present. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, there's small like nuances with this that it gets complicated. I present very masculine, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, just if you, if I don't talk, you're like, you know, okay, he's, you know, very man, but people will call me sir. And it is very defeating. Yeah. People call me sir. It's not like, oh, yay, I look like a man. I think for a lot of people, that's what they think. But for me, it's very, very damaging. So you just have to keep things in mind. You don't need to call people sir and ma'am, and you don't need to say he or she. Like, there are ways to, you know, address people that don't involve gender. Yeah, I uh, uh, joke that you call me ma'am, but sir, if you're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're so right. The idea of pronouns, you know, it's become such a talking point, but it really is. I mean, to me, I I now assume they, them, unless otherwise um, informed. Mm -hmm. So anybody that I, even if it's someone that looks like Duck Dynasty, I would still identify, I mean, I would still, just for the sake of safety and and visibility, identify them as they, them, until they tell me otherwise. Now, I shouldn't say identify them, that's, but you know, I, I just, it's, it, I, I would rather assume neutrality before making somebody triggered or feeling un- unseen or second mm-hmm. or othered. So absolutely. And if my five-year-old's, you know, cousin can, can correctly identify gender, I think you can do it. It's a choice. And listen, if you want to be an asshole, great. It, yeah. it, it's you don't have to follow any of the rules you don't have to you know you can call asian people oriental you can do everything under the sun but you're being an asshole right so that's all i say i'm like because people message me do i have to learn gender do i have to you know address people with respect not really but you can be an asshole sure yeah go yeah. right ahead that's do it you know like yeah yeah like <laughs> you can do it it's just it's a choice i think to be part of the world and to really and i think that the new wave of like conservative republicans and you know me living in orange county i saw a bumper sticker that said i care more about my rights than your health and i think that says a lot about where we are <laughs> oh, that just <laughs> in all aspects mm-hmm. in all aspects and it's something to have that opinion it's something else to go out there and buy a bumper sticker and put oh. it on your car and yeah. also, like, at least they're being honest about it. They're saying what everybody else is afraid to say. Uh-huh. Every, everybody else is in, like, those conservative sure. Republicans who, sure. um, they're, they're, they don't, because if they don't say it, it's not as offensive to feel it. But exactly. that person, I mean, props to honesty, you know. Um, hope you get hit by a bus. Uh, <laughs> Here's to honesty. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are, like, get on to me. Because, I mean, I have always been a very, like, bubbly, like, charming, effervescent kind of you know essence okay effervescence yeah yeah (laughs) until the past couple years when it's just like it's you know this world just has beat it's it you know sensitive people sensitive artists it's just you know beating us i think in a little deeper layer than than the normal people and you know people get on to me like man you know you you should be more gracious you should be nice like bitch no i'm not i'm not a christian i don't believe in that shit like i don't have to be nice to get to heaven you know what i mean like i'm tired (laughs) of not wishing ill will on bad people like you're bad i want you to die and painfully so sorry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i've lost it (laughs) no i love it i mean listen i think that there is this idea that being a good old, you know, Christian woman, being a devout Muslim means that you pretend to be good. Yeah. Pretending to be good says nothing about you. I remember when I was going to to the mosque for Ramadan one day and like someone had literally 
uh, hit a bike right outside the mosque. Nobody stopped. I was like 17 and I was stopping and hanging out with the the guy and the imam went up and he's like super sassy and went up and he's like, oh, did you all like enjoy breaking your fast? Because none of it's accepted. None of y'all like today you got to you got to fast tomorrow because all y'all did. It was a 17 year old who sat outside with the biker. Y'all were trying to rush to, to, to prayer and you toppled over people. And that's really what it is. I've seen so many people like I need to break my fast. I need to break my fast. And I'm like, the whole point of Ramadan is to remember people who don't have food. You haven't once thought about anyone else. Right. So you're not, it's not really accepted. And I'm not one to say like, do prayer this way, do fasting. I'm not the person because I don't do it. But what I'm saying is if you're going to be judging other people, then you need to turn that finger. What do they say? You're, you're pointing at someone three or pointing back at you. How about you really try to figure out your life, honey? Didn't you cheat on your wife three times? Why are you worried about me being gay? Yeah. Why does that worry you? So why does that keep you up at night? You, me being gay is not going to prevent you from getting into heaven. This is what I never understood. When did it become like these Olympics of trying to get to heaven? There's a song I love from this YouTube creator back in like the 2000s. I'm not going to date myself, but he was like, you know, I've, I've already been to heaven. And after five minutes, I said, let's go. You don't really know what it's going to be like. So you're literally building your whole life and judging others for something that is not 100% guaranteed. Right. So I'm like, and know, the people that are purporting this, this, you know, afterlife environment of what they call heaven. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be there with you bitches. I see how nope. y'all behave here. Like, good. You make this a hell. You think I want to go to your heaven? No, ma'am. Thank You're you. not going to go. You're not going to go. There's an amazing story that really, to me, feels like one of the most secular stories from Islam is that the idea of hell is so there was a dinner party in hell and they're like, Oh, there's the equal dinner party in heaven. I don't understand. Like, that's so confusing. But the only difference is that there was large knives and forks, like huge, like 10 feet long. The only difference is the people in heaven were feeding each other, where the people in hell were trying to feed themselves. You're never going to be able to feed yourself with a 15 foot fork, right? So that story to me is like... Oh, no, Amir, speak, to, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> i love it okay throat goat i see you um yeah you know but that <laughs> did you just say throat goat i did <laughs> oh it's been too I long i did i did no i feel you um no but yeah that story really for me resonates because i think a lot of people spend so much time making not only queer people's lives hell people that are trying to get an abortion if you're trying to get an abortion i know many people have gotten an abortion you don't go in smiling you don't leave smiling i'm sorry i don't care what people think it is but when you're already trying to make a hard decision like that you've already thought about it you've already thought about all the alternatives and when you walk in and some christians yelling you're going to hell uh, you're just creating hell for someone else or yeah. when someone bullies me and and says oh you're never going to go to heaven because you're gay and god hates you and all that stuff and your parents are disappointed in you whatever it is just remember like having a little grace for other people i think says a lot about where people are at and god forbid like that person commits suicide that blood is on your hands so yeah. that's yeah. essentially like murdering someone it's the and same I, to me and i tell people too and, and you know here we are two you know cisgendered men talking about mm -hmm. abortion like that that's, sure i mean i understand the, you know that's a little bit problematic in terms of privilege sure. but um you know, in terms of advocacy i you know used to tell people like there's no such thing as pro-abortion nobody is like yay abortion this is this no. is a, this is a healthcare I, 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 um topic but now i'm to the point sure. where i'm i am kind of pro-abortion but like fuck third trimester like how about let's talk about third decade if you're in your third decade and you're an asshole i would like to take a rusty coat hanger to you um, I'm so done with humans, Amir. Like I, every time I leave my You're house done. now, I just like, why? Surely we're not the same species. Like if, you know, 
and it's, people just get to me these days. I'm also coming off my Lexapro, so like I'm a little bit more sensitive to like the assholishness of. Oh, um, I totally <laughs> listen. I totally get it. I mean, every day it's something new. I mean, they're trying to arrest people if you, even if you leave the state and go to another state to get a where they're trying to arrest. And the, in Mississippi or Tennessee, I don't even remember. They're, they're all, the, all same. the same. They're all the same. One of those weird states. It rape is five years if you get an abortion it's 20 i mean what does that say about where we are and listen these people are a lot smarter than they come off the mitch mcconnell's of it all because if oh. they had an affair with a mistress you better believe that mistress is getting an abortion honey so don't get it twisted that these people that are standing on their high horses of religion it, they don't care no because they they're getting paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars. they're lobbying they are allegiant not to god but to who is giving them the biggest paycheck correct and, no. and you're right about the ming they are the smartest people in the game like i'm so over democrats yeah. right now just i mean f the, the whole you know value-based approach to politics it's not working like it's yeah fuck that um, it's not working I, that timid no. approach is not working like no. if i if i i mean i've been thinking about it running for office if i do um i'm not playing fair yeah. right like you can't play fair in congress like i'm not gonna Anymore. play fair I'm not going to, if they're going to call Ilan Omar a, a terrorist just because she wears hijab, like all bets are off, honey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All bets no. are off. Like, no, we're going to play like, dirty. If I see a cross around your neck, I know that you're that, you're actually the terrorist. You're that bitch. And not yeah. in a good way. Not, and not in a good way. way. Listen, for me, I mean, it was funny. My immigrant dad said American flags to be welcoming to him. Now, when he sees it, he assumes it, that they're Trump supporters. Of That's course. really sad. In four years, someone turned everything around. And for anyone who's blaming Biden, honey, Look at who appointed these. Every day, the Supreme Court is pulling something, doing something weird. And I'm like, I just don't understand where we are. I mean, we're literally living in an episode of Handmaid's Tale and nobody seems to care. Yep. People care more about the NHL and the NBA. Again, there's nothing wrong with sports. But for me, sometimes in this country, sports feel like an opportunity to distract people from what's happening. Of course, of course. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it, 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 it is a unifying escapism because you can go to us. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a huge college football fan. So, like, mm -hmm. I can speak to this personally. Like, when I, you know, watch a game or, you know, have been to a game, it's a stadium of, of you know, most people look, look like me, to be fair. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know that there's, I mean, allies. There are queer people. And then there's all these, you know, other people. And it's like, we're so it, I do appreciate it for that aspect. But you're mm -hmm. right. Like, we are so soaked with escapism right now because everything's so toxic and painful to watch mm -hmm. IRL. Um, but we have to, it, it, like, you know, I, my, um, my parents, you know, will be like, you know, we just, we can't watch the news that much. And I'm like, I get mm -hmm. it. That's my job. So let me w absorb, watch and inform and comment. Yes, um, yes. But, you know, in that we have to take care of ourselves too, to make sure that we 100%. keep our head above water. Um, 100%. So 100%. with you, with you, because you truthfully, like, I mean, it's all over your socials, your website, you proudly claim you're a queer Muslim. So mm -hmm. in, in coming out uh, to yourself, what, I mean, how, how did you grapple with your faith or your relationship with the divine? I know that ultimately you felt closer, but did you struggle? Did you think like, fuck this religion, I'm done with this? Like where, what was that journey like for you? I mean, like, not to be stereotypical, but I was, like, definitely in that pray the gay away camp, right? Yeah, like, you're yeah. sitting there, you're like, I'm going to pray it away. If I was straight, it'd be so much easier. And I think because Middle Eastern men, and I think it's confusing for a lot of people because I am quite flamboyant and out there. So people are like, how did your parents not know, right? But what they don't understand about Middle Eastern men is that in our culture, especially Persian men, it's very flamboyant. You know, it's Versace and bright orange and right. you're holding hands and it's skincare. Like, Persian men are very, like, effeminate and it's totally accepted until you're gay right 
then it's like, don't touch me, don't come near me, right? So it's a confusing system to be in. And I joke all the time that I'm the least gay one in my family. And my uncle is just like <laughs> so over the top. He's a, he's a, he has a daughter, he's married. I mean, he's with, with a woman. I mean, they're not gay, right. but it's just that they come off in such a flamboyant way. So I, it was very easy to hide in plain sight for me for a very long time. I think what was really hard for me is that I continue to suppress and push down all of the sexual feelings or everything. I used to be a swimmer. And so I remember being a kid and being like, okay, I don't like the swim coach that's a woman as much as the one that's a man. And I didn't really quite understand because mm -hmm. a lot of like, um, I think a lot of people assume that when you start realizing your sexuality, you're like, I want to fuck that person. No, you're like 10 sometimes. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, what makes you feel better? A compliment from a woman or a compliment from a man, you know, stuff like that. So I started to like grapple with it and I knew, and so I continued to suppress, but like if you suppress anything down, it ends up coming either up or around or to the sides. So for me, it started to be like health stuff. So stomach aches, headaches, migraines. Like I was like, why do I always feel ill? Because you're hiding something, you're struggling, whatever. So from that journey, I think for me is the weirdest part was like being in a Muslim dorm at USC. So when I went to college, I was like, I'm going to be in a Muslim dorm. It'll be fine. But what I realized there was like, the judgment, right? So many people were like, oh, you're going to a party, you're going to hell. There was a lot of that like super, super judgment that I was so used to because of my family. Like, you're not praying, you're, you're going to go to hell. You, you drink, you're going to hell. Everything was so extreme, right? It was, there was very black and white. Um, and so from that experience, I kind of started to rebel against the religion. And as I rebelled against it, I was like, I don't know if I want to fast the whole month. I'll fast a couple of days. And I started, because I didn't have my parents like hovering over me. Sure. Then I started to kind of like, Start, stuff started to crack. Like this guy invited me to his house to watch a movie at midnight. First of all, I was legally blonde. I should have known what it was, but you know, you just play dumb. And he was like, come and watch it in bed. And I was like, it's two bros hanging out. You know, like you start. And I think that that experience really rattled, like started to crack stuff in me because I nothing happened. I left before anything could happen, but I was like, oh my God, stuff's starting to crack. So, and then when I went to business school, I didn't know anyone. So I was like, okay, fuck it like they were like oh you know that guy's cute sure he is and it's like then i was just gay from the beginning so that experience kind of and i came out very late i was 28 and then my parents found out like three years ago it's very current even though i have a very public instagram i'm doing stand up you know it my parent i think denial is best served with hummus like in middle eastern culture i mean they <laughs> they love it so they're still eating it up i mean even now like i <laughs> even now they're so still in kind of like a denial so i i think it is it's, that a, is that a fear for your soul or is it is it something a little more earthly? It's like fear for your soul, but I think a lot of it is reputation. Like, how can my yeah. son be gay? Like, I'm, you know, my dad started a mosque. Like, my parents are very active in the community. It's kind of like, how did this yeah. happen? What do we do wrong? And I think a lot of parents think that. Of course. And I think it's there, even parents that are very P flag and super super like open. It's like, wait, wait, wait. This is happening to my kid now. Wait a second. Like, yeah. so I understand that, but I just think some of the things that were said, like you're going to get HIV and die. You're going to, you're, you're going to hell. Like, you know, the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know, a lot of Muslim people believe that's why like gays create earthquakes. And I was like, yeah, we do with our twerking. Yeah. Yes. So, I, yes. I, I you will, know, yeah. I will take responsibility for that for sure. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. San Francisco, LA. Okay, fine. Let it yes, be. Yes, I'm going to give you the plagues. I mean, hurricane. Yes. Um, yes. Locusts. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're responsible for it all, baby. <laughs> I was just let it be. But you know, for me, what is the biggest thing that really allowed me to really hold that Muslim? Because I think being queer is like, I'm so okay with it. And I'm so like accepted. And I really worked with the shame and the guilt. And I'm not bad. This is who I am. For me, the thing is like, God doesn't make mistakes. And I really genuinely believe that. So 
if he if I'm a mistake, then I'll own it later. But I don't believe I'm a mistake. And I think that my voice has helped a lot of people and it's saved a lot of people. And I think that's all you can really do in life. And I think my biggest fear is to be forgettable. And it's funny because I struggled to find purpose. I, I was, you know, just kind of drifting and I just felt like a leaf lost in space. But for me, what gave me purpose was coming out. ironically like that struggle made me a better muslim made me a better person and i think you know god doesn't make mistakes so if there were like if there was just me and you that were gay i'd be like okay maybe it's a choice but if there are millions and millions of people who are out but there are also millions and millions of people who struggle and aren't out i don't believe it's like you know and i feel like i mean however gay and dramatic this might be I, i felt like a caterpillar and i finally chrysalis and came out a beautiful moment and like a butterfly and I could finally flap my wings and yeah maybe I'll only live for seven days but it'll be a beautiful seven days I think I I struggled so much with like I'm not going to survive doing this and I wouldn't have right like I don't like people are like oh you talk about suicide so openly because it's not scary like for me there were there were a couple nights where it was like one minute and it my life could have gone in a different direction. Yeah. And I talk about it because someone who looks like me and, and like is like funny and charismatic and all that, people don't associate that with suicide. And I think it's really important because I'm so tired of going to a funeral and someone's like, oh, I never saw it. I didn't see the sign. Yes, you did. You chose to not see the sign because I was very open about the signs. They were there. Like when someone doesn't leave the house for two weeks, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I talk about it pretty uh, openly as well because I, I struggle with mental health. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I tell people because you people will shut down when you talk about things like, yeah. that, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, give me a second. Porter, can we can we not squeak just for like maybe <laughs> 30 more minutes? Um, <laughs> let me oh get him. I call it his, okay. his um, you know, bully sticks for dogs. Yeah. Okay, so I um, I give him them whenever like I'm doing stuff like this, but I call it his iPad, like one of those bad moms who just can't deal with a screaming child in the back oh, of the yeah. minivan. I like that too. So I like that he knows too. what. Do you want to play with your iPad? Means, hang on a second. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. You're fine. Yeah, but I, so I'm pretty open about uh, you know, health struggles and, and you know yes. suicidal ideations. Um, but I tell people, you know, like if I'm talking about it, you don't have to worry. You know, it's it's the time where mm-hmm. like you disappear. When you don't talk with your friends, that's when you start to worry, you know? So that, those are the things that's that when it gets scary for too, you know? Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and absolutely that I also make sure that if I'm getting a vibe that somebody is fearful for me, like I'm going to set your mind at ease or tr- try to to the best of my current mental state's abilities. Um, but it is, you know, those conversations, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, but you know, 36. Okay. So I'm 37. So we're in the same, you know, uh, uh-huh. ball game, but like, not to make a sports reference. Um, it's okay. Conversation. <laughs> wow, we're so we're so straight. I love I it. No, yeah, such queens. Well, we were talking. I mean, I think with mental health, like it's so funny because if you break your foot, like when I had COVID a couple months ago, people were like calling and t- checking. And when you break something, people are so sympathetic. Like, oh my god, the calls and the emails and the flowers. But when you tell someone you're depressed, people don't know what to do with it. And I understand because with mental health, if you haven't done the work, it's hard to carry other people's stuff. Like. I've done all the work. I've done 10 years of therapy. I can carry other people's darkness without yeah. like letting it affect me. But for a lot of people, when you tell them they're depressed, they're like, Ugh, I don't want that hot potato because I don't want to be depressed. Yeah. Where I don't think depression is infectious. It's just a matter of like, some people just really struggle with it in other ways. And I think for me, I can push through it and I can perform, but that's scary to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to push through and perform because I performed so well for years, pretending I was totally okay. Best Instagram stories, best life, traveling, gorgeous yeah. boyfriend, like all the right stuff. And I was like secretly like, oh, I hope I don't wake up tomorrow. 
Yeah. You know, and people don't understand that kind of pain of it. And also a lot of, a lot of times people do the, you're so lucky, you're so lucky, your life is perfect. And then you feel like it's just a sweater, a little too tight to wear. And it just mm -hmm. starts to really feel itchy. So it's not good. Yeah. I've gotten to, there's a, you know, I, I don't have like, you know, influencery idols or people that I just am obsessed with, you know, their social media stuff. Like there's people that I love to, to view and everything, but there are a couple, like one of them, even recently, um, she's a big workout um, instructor online. And I went to her, uh, a pop-up class she had the, the, the other day. And I was just like, after class, you know, just thanking her, just, you know, praising her as we do or whatever. And I said, but here's the caveat, like, in me giving you all that toxic praise, I just hope that you know, like you're taking care of yourself so that you can then take care of people like me. Cause like, I know mm -hmm. the job that you're doing, I do it for other people, um, mm -hmm. but like what you're doing can be very burdensome. So um, I just I hope that you're taking care of your soul and your spirit and your source um, because we all feed off of that mm -hmm. and it's exhausting and depleting. Um, this is not the conversation absolutely we're gonna have today. <laughs> It's okay. You never know with me. I mean, listen, with, when okay. it comes to even what I do is like people always want it to be fun. And yeah. I get it. Like a lot of people discover me on TikTok and it's like the entertainment news. And, and I still love my celebrities. I worked as a publicist for years. Like I love all that, but the world has changed. And if I don't change with it, I'm, I don't, I can't talk about JLo anymore. Like I need to talk about what's going on in front of me. And listen, I can't take on every struggle. People message me, you need to talk about the refugee crisis. I can't take it all on. But what I do is I really trust my heart. If it, if, if I feel like I want to share that, I will, I will share it. And if I want to make something the cornerstone of what I want to talk about, I will do that. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's always like animals, children, and anyone who can't speak for themselves. Yeah. So that could really like encompass a lot of stuff. And I think for me, I was a lot of times as a child forgotten. And and listen, my parents are amazing and they tried the best they could. But and I think for me, I just don't want anyone to feel that way. Yep. And I think that that's like the the biggest crux in life is like doing what you wish would have done but done for you. Because a lot of people, how did you figure out or talk about all these things? Well, I wish someone would have spoken up for me. So it's kind yeah. of the same thing. It's just find what works for you. Agreed. My uh, over the over COVID over the past two and a half three years, mm -hmm. um, my social media like Instagram specifically, I've probably lost about three thousand followers because the things oh, that I post are just uh -huh. truthful, authentic, real to me. And I've lost oh, yeah. a lot of the people that I had attracted before. The people you know, which is fine. I don't you know need them or whatever. Um, but I, you know, if I can speak to ten people on my followers who don't feel seen or heard and lose three thousand, amen cool that's what mm -hmm. i'm focused on and i feel mm -hmm. like you're the same way like you know this is totally and just speaking to what's in front of you uh because it is um 100 percent. Right well also I, I always said if i can save one person then my instagram efforts are worth it and i think sometimes setting an attainable goal like that makes the pressure off of it for me it was always like i need to have a hundred thousand followers for what reason yep. if you don't have a good reason and i you know teach social media to people and they're always like i want a million followers for what reason and they're like just to have them i'm like then there's no yeah. point there's absolutely no point because yeah. what I have is not millions of followers, but I have influence and people listen when I speak. So I think that to me is more important. And I just want to say one person, I've already done that. So for me, I've already accomplished what I set out to yeah. do. So I can, the rest is just gravy. Everything else that's come from my Instagram is just an additive thing. It's so I think that that frees me from that pressure. Totally, totally. Um, so your, your parents, so it's still new for them a little bit. So are they, are they pretty accepting? Could you bring somebody home? Absolutely not. Yeah. So yeah, bringing someone home would just be like, it would be one of those things where it's like, 
I would probably do it for dramatic effect, but I don't <laughs> think that it would be right to put someone through that. They're just not yeah. there yet. You know, like yeah. when I wanted to come out to my mom, she was like, I want to set you up with this great person. I'm like, oh my, like we're, and I, and I was kind of hesitant about coming out and I was already like, oh, this is what we're talking about before I do this. Like, so I think sometimes my life just feels like a movie sometimes. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this is where I'm at. But it's, I think it's confusing to people, but I think it also shouldn't be confusing to people that someone who feels the need to kind of speak for so many people maybe has no one to speak for him like that should that makes sense to me so i think that with them they're just very religious and obviously immigrants and from a different culture and so they struggle and i i think that it's important to give our friends and family who can accept it a little time and a little grace i know say it again one thousand percent for the cheap seats, right? A little grace. We, because it took me 28 years to get there. I can't expect them to. And I think I partly blame like TV shows and movies. You know, I consulted on the new Love, Victor for Hulu and they wanted to do the coming out with a queer Muslim character where I was very, very like, can you pass the grapes, honey? And I'm like, I love that we're trying to take the trauma out of it. But then it's not believable. You, yeah. you have you. This is not like some like P flag mom. And it's just not like, so I think it's really important to kind of show that and to, to kind of show the different colors of coming out because for a lot of people, it's like coming out, seems so easy for me. It always was like, Oh wow, it's going to be so easy. And then I was so not prepared for what was actually coming out. Like, so yeah, I think it's important that we start to make changes and be more. And I think that's why I want to tell my story is that like, it's important to show different iterations of coming out. Do you have faith that your family will end up being the family that you want them to be as it relates to this? No. Yeah. I I think that, you know, and I think that's fine. You know, with therapy, I've realized that wanting something and needing it are two different things. Yeah. 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 And also I can want it, but I don't need it. Yeah. And there's also the idea of like generational healing and and capacity for involvement to to speak on as well. Like, I know that my parents, I mean, it took them about 10 years to come around and we're great now. Like, I mean, you know, they've met boyfriends and like, you know, I've talked about dates and stuff like that. Um, But I also am aware of their capacity to grow as a human. And I work Mm -hmm. around that because Mm -hmm. I, as you know, a younger person than them have the probably have the capacity to grow beyond that. And then if I have a kid, my kid will I I will cap out at some point. I hope not. But I know that I will. No, of course you will, because you're a human being. It's like you have your own shit. Like with our parents, we have to also understand they are better than their parents. It's like every every generation becomes better. And I think that that is kind of cool. But it's also like. A reminder that like you're not perfect either like i have my own caps i have my own issues i have my own whatever but my parents did the best they could with what they had so i don't i, yeah. sp- I spent so much time like hating on them and i think that the shift for me is like accept them for where they are and like you're not going to be mad at someone who's in a wheelchair you're not going to yell at them get up and fucking walk yeah. for me i spent so much of my life being like they're in an emotional handicap they can't get up and i, I it's like yelling at them and screaming at them is not going to fix it when it comes to parents like i think there's a struggle they have with the child they think they they got and the child they actually got. And I think mirroring those takes time. It's like, you have to mourn the loss. And I told my parents, you have to mourn who you thought I was going to be. I could still have kids. I could still get married. It's just not going to look the way you want. And I think that that is kind of the hardest struggle that like parents have to go through. And once you can get past that, and also the fact of the matter is for my family specifically, even if I was to be straight, they're not talking about sex and dating. And like, there's a lot of shame around sex. So like that wouldn't have changed too much. I just, I guess for me, it's just like, it's hard being like such a public person and then having your parents not be okay with it. Cause I know 
that can be really hard. You know, someone took all of my Instagram pictures. This was like in December, took them all and put them in an email and said, this is what American Islam looks like and sent it to all the mosques in the area, sent it to everyone at my parents' mosque, sent it to my dad. Like, and for me, that was just like, felt like a violation because even though I'm public and my, you can find my Instagram, you can look me up any on Google, but like, that just felt to me like a violation because I don't like being associated with like American Islam. I don't like being, I am not the face of Islam. I am not grooming people to be gay and Muslim. I don't care. This is my experience. I've never been a groomer. I, I mean, people say I am, but like, I've never once said, Hey, be gay. It's fun. I just always said it's harder when you're gay. Like my cousin was like, Oh, I wish my son was gay. Cause I love you. And I was like, mm, uh, breaks. Let's not do that because yeah. it's a harder life. I think a lot of people think of all the good stuff about being gay and they don't factor in all the horrible stuff because even now, like I'm 36. And if I, someone called me a faggot the other day, it's not gone away. You know, yeah. like, it's not like, it's just, there's ridicule still, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. What makes you stick around with Islam? I think that like, you know, there's a lot of beauty in Islam that a lot of people don't give it credit for. Um, Islam is one of the only religions who in print says that abortion is okay. Um, that's huge. I think that, you know, women were the first women to vote were Islamic women. Um, 1500 years ago, not 50 years ago, like America thinks it's so progressive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just a lot of beauty in the religion that nobody talks about. Of course, there's a lot of brimstone and all that, but a lot of that is cultural. A lot of that is Saudi Arabian right. culture. And if you remember, Islam came for that culture. Like literally like Islam is seen as like coming for that community because they were like raping their daughters. They were doing some really crazy things. So I think that like, that's a misconception with Islam. And it's funny because in Islam, I don't like this, but you can be gay. You can't act on it, but there's no, like you're going to hell for simply being gay. Right. And that's not the case in Christianity. There, there is a hell in Islam. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. give a rundown for someone that maybe doesn't know a lot about um, mm -hmm. Islam? Can you just say like, mm -hmm. I mean, in, you know, in a, a few, in a, in a paragraph, like what would, if you presented Islam to somebody who had never heard of it, what would you say? Well, I think Islam is, crazy enough, one of the biggest religions in the world, but the least represented. It's one in four people are Muslim. So that's crazy. Yeah, for a lot of people don't know that. And so wow. that's kind of crazy. So we're saying 25% of the world is Muslim, right? So if you, that number alone should tell you something. But I think that Islam has so many iterations and there are so many different colors and creeds and different like sects, right? And so Islam is based on five pillars. It's like prayer, like giving back, like there's a lot of like, a lot of it is based in community, right? It's a lot of tribalism. It's a lot of like see your community. Um, that fierce individualism that Americans tout is very lonely. Yeah. So I think a lot of Muslims, like there's a lot of community and also women are really high up in Islam and people don't see that because of what is like, purple, like put out there and promulgated and all of that. So unfortunately it's a really beautiful religion, but you know, when you have 4% of the population as terrorists, it's funny that that speaks for 96%. I know. I, I mean, I've been called terrorist and I'm like, girl, I'm wearing Gucci. What terrorism? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. I look fab. I'm on a red carpet like terrorism. OK. Um, but, you know, I think that that's like the misconception. And I think that what I really try to show Islam is like what you see on the news is not it. Right. Yeah. Like, are there Muslims that are terrorists? Absolutely. Are there Christians that are terrorists? Absolutely. Uh, Did you yeah. forget about Timothy McVeigh? Like, yeah, so I, I just think that, like, that's really important to show. And like what really bothered me, like, obviously with polls, like obviously the, the death of so many queer people is that what they focused on was that the, you know, the shooter was saying Alhamdulillah before he did it and being a, connected with terror. I'm like, this is the angle you're taking. You're yeah. not even focusing on the fact that like it was a 
the biggest, I didn't know this, the biggest terrorist attack after 9-11. Yeah. People don't speak about stuff like that because they don't, they're uncomfortable. Like, well, they, they shouldn't have been at the gay bar. Would you ever say that if that happened at a Chili's? No. You would never say that. Please so don't. I think that please don't bring the good name of Chili's into this. Oh, honey, we love Chili's. We, we love, love Chili's. <laughs> we uh, love a margarita and a little black meat. Black meat. I'm not mad uh, at it. Southwestern egg rolls, that skillet queso, those chicken crispers, original. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Um, yes. Go to Chili's in Inglewood tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we love Chili's. No. Um, but yeah, no, I think that honestly, just to wrap it up, when it comes to an elevator pitch from Islam, don't be scared of it. There's nothing to be scared of. I've had people message me. And and people with a lot of followers and a lot of influence that are like, I'm not scared of Islam because of you. Yeah. And I'm, and that's great. And I'll take it. But what I really think it's important is to realize like Christianity, honey, is not a children's nursery rhyme either. You get stoned. You, you can murder your wife. If you if she cheats on you. The, you, the, yeah. you have, oh, you eat shellfish and tattoos. Don't talk about me being gay. Yeah. Because you're going to hell, honey, too. So yeah. just remember that when you... And I think that the biggest thing with Islam is that, like, don't listen to the misconception. There is... If you look up Rumi and Hafez, or really, and like, every basic bitch quotes Rumi, that's Sufi, like, Sufism, which is, like, mystical Islam. And there's so many iterations to Islam. You can also... I believe, I mean, someone might say, no, I don't agree with that. When it comes to religion, you can cherry pick what you don't like. There are things that I don't like about Islam. And I'm like, I'm ditching that, honey. I don't need to. Uh, but I love going to Eid prayer once a year. I don't need to go every week. They're a judgmental group. I'm not into it. But I'll go every year. Like, I'm okay with that. Find what works for you, right? Yeah. If you want to fast, that's great. If you want to drink, okay, that's, this is your, it, it's, yes, according to religion, you can't drink. But if you want to do it, do it and own it. Yeah, just own it. And also the idea of cherry picking. It's funny you say that because the idea of cherry picking is what uh, I feel like people that Christians attack will will accuse Christians of doing about the Bible specifically as it relates to homosexuality. You know, they'll cherry pick verses in the Old Testament that they will believe to be true, but then ignore the ones that don't make them feel good about the, their ego or whatever. And I love that yeah. you just reclaimed cherry picking because that's <laughs> as part of my own spiritual healing. You know, I used I mean, I started this podcast out. I wanted to squash Christianity, you know, religion, specifically Christianity, but it mm -hmm. became a healing vessel for me because I can then cherry pick, like you just said, aspects of that, of this cultural religion, which is all that Christianity is as well, and decide like, I like, that makes me feel good. That helps me guide myself in day-to-day, -day, you know, life. Um, that scripture really resonates with my soul today. Um, so I love that we are reclaiming cherry picking. Let's uh, reclaim it. And I went to Christian school. I've read the Bible from I've studied it. I've done scripture. I've been in church. I've done all of it. So yeah. I've done both in some ways. I feel like I've seen the beauty in, in Christianity. I've seen that there is a lot yeah. of acceptance and music and a lot of like upbeat where I think Islam can definitely be a little bit more not as upbeat when it right. comes to life and the way they, they present information. So I'm like all for it. But listen, I'm not going to listen to 12 men who couldn't dress. Thank so you. for me, I'm like 12 men in bad fashion ain't going to be what I follow. Right. So you know, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I think that like for a lot of people, it's like when you start to cherry pick, they feel disrespected. But this religion is not yours to feel disrespected about. Like you didn't start it. You're not running it. You're a part of it. So I always believe it's better to not shame people out of religion because I know so many people that have like yeah. been so shamed out of it. They're like, fuck God, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. It's better that someone prays once a year and they still feel some kind of connection. I'll buy it not be perfect who cares yours isn't perfect either you can pray every day and still not be a perfect person yeah. so 
you know, I think that that's kind of like where I'm at, where I'm like, I'd rather you just like have some kind of connection with God than like have nothing. Yeah. If that's if that's what you want. Again, if you don't want to have the connection, that's also fine. I'm just all like, do what feels right for you. Yeah. So you kind of skyrocketed during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of your, your online presence. What was yeah. it that that kind of ignited that rocket? I think it's really about like owning like who I am. And I think that really being okay with that. I mean, when I first got on TikTok, I had 10 followers and people were like, you're old and you're fat and you're ugly and you should kill yourself. And you know, when you're starting something and people are coming that Wait, aggressive. Was that, was that coming from other gay people? No, it's coming from like, you know, I, a lot of them, like, you know, so like those trolls that have like five followers, like sure. um, what I got a lot from the gays was when I would talk about racism in the queer community. I think that was really hard for people to, to stomach. Cause it's like, Oh no, 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 no. That's a preference. That's not racism. And I'm like, it is when you package it the way you do. Right. So I think that that was hard for people to accept. And I think because I'm like, like you said, bubbly and fun and I use music and dancing. And then I'm like, and then I call people out. I think it's hard for people to accept that because I come off very, and it's a character I do. Amir Yoss is like, hey, Hanny. It's very ridiculous. It's very kind of, and I want people to underestimate me. And then I'm like, listen, bitch, I'm very educated. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important. And that's really what kind of helped me was that I, cont- and also I continued to believe that what I was doing was, was right for me. Not about right for TikTok, not in any of that. And when I decided that TikTok was no longer a platform for me, I walked away from it. I have no problem walking away from stuff, even if it's successful. I'm like, see ya. Because if it doesn't work with my certain code of ethics, like I'm like, I'm out. And I think that for people, it's really hard to accept because they're like, what do you mean you passed on this much money? How, what do you mean? I'm like, if they can't do it the way I want it done, then I don't, I'd rather not do it. And I think that that energy is why I was successful because I was posting like sometimes 10 videos a day every day content 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 and you know posting i posted probably ten thousand videos for a lot of people that's like what the heck but that's what you need to do if you want to be in that game you know so i know that's all it is really i mean it's a game and, and at the end of the day we're not curing cancer i understand but also i think it's important to take up space yeah yes it is especially to people like us who were not allowed to take up space for so mm-hmm. long so mm-hmm. watch out i will absorb yours um <laughs> do you have, do you have hope for humanity no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding um you know who i have hope for i think that you know i've seen the way that people mobilized after obviously the abortion ban or when things happen when they start trying to repeal stuff people do mobilize and i think it's really beautiful and gen z has a beautiful way of wearing high-waisted jeans and a crop top but also being like really educated about what's going on there's no way at 19 i knew what roe versus wade was like i knew it but i didn't really know all the specifics so i think it's like really beautiful and they also have stuff at their fingertips in a way that i don't remember us having to go to the library to xerox the thing and look up the article like no so it was a little different but they're also not scared of losing a job or losing a relationship or losing a friendship over that like i was petrified of like being like wait a second act accordingly around these white people like don't say anything but i mean the fact that at 15 years old when 9 11 happened they asked me if i would speak to the school about what happened is so catastrophic and crazy but i did it because i you're trying to be liked there's no way a 15 year old gen z queer muslim would ever do that they'd be like see ya yeah there there's you know so that is cool and listen their generation can take it too far i'm such a fan of like dressing for where you feel safe i'm not gonna wear a crop top and jeans to the mosque like right. you need to adjust yourself to, to the environment because that's how i feel safe 
I don't care what you do, but that's just how I feel safe. And I feel like sometimes Gen Z will, they try to get acceptance in every sphere. And I'm like, that's just not going to happen. Right. That's not real life. So yeah, I do have hope, but I mean, also like we're pretty kick-ass and we're doing it and we're 36, 37. We should be tired, honey. We should be resting, but we're like, no bitch. I'm like extra activated. Same. So Same. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I keep, you know, with all the speculations about what's going to happen with our rights as gay men, like, you know, it's take I'm it. Like, Please come for me because this bitch is ready to fight. I'm I ready just, to fight. I just got my first BB gun at 37. Like, don't <laughs> fuck with me, you know? Don't fuck with me. Don't. <laughs> and listen, if, if a frail black trans woman named Marsha P. Johnson can fight for our rights and then end up in the river dead, I'd come at me. Yep. Assassin. And a lot of, like, my cousin was like, oh, like, I'm worried about your safety. Fine. If I'm going to go down because of being who I am, then that's the best way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. And so yeah. if that's what's going to happen, if someone's going to be crazy and shoot me, then fine. I don't really need to live in fear. And I think that I've spent so much of my life in fear. Yeah. And the world is not a safe place, but you can create safe pockets. And I think that by just by my mere existence is a revolution. So I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, like, yeah. give me a dusted wig and call me Mary Antoinette, bitch, because yeah. I will eat cake and you will, too. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, done. I'm like, done. <laughs> I will eat wrap cake it up. You will, too. <laughs> and you will, too. I don't care what your diet is, if you're paleo, etc. whatever. You're going to eat cake, too. And you're going to like it. And I think that for me, I've spent so much time being like, oh, these people are awful. Well, I'm also great. So yeah. they're awful. Like Mitch McConnell is an earthworm with legs, but I'm pretty fabulous too. And I can speak and I, I can stand. And, you know, for all the people that are like, oh, AOC. Well, she's dealing with those people. That's why she sounds shrill. Thank you. Yeah. Like there's a reason she sounds that way. And you will get haggard too in that environment. And you're so not, I think you're it's you're just not hating on, you know, the Madison Cawthorns or the Rhonda no. They're acting just, and, and not that she's acting terrible, but they are, mm -hmm. they are equal in how they approach things just from different sides. But she, it's 100%. people like her they go after because she's uh -huh. a woman, because she's of color. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. it's just, yeah. It's not I, rocket I, science. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Yeah. No. America is not hard to decipher. Not it's just capital R racism. If you can just, Put, bleed that into everything that we do then you can f understand why there's a difference why is it okay for a white football coach to lean down and do prayer on the 50 yard line but it's not okay for you know it's just do you just oh i, I was just ready i was ready it. to fly somewhere conservative get a some kind of rug and put it down on the football field just to see what happens i was like i will convert today just to fuck with y'all just to fuck no, with you yeah. bitches. They won't allow that. Like, and it was funny because someone I had said, oh, you know, on one of the like news things, I was like, okay, if he was Muslim, it would be a different. And they're like, don't say that. Religious freedom in America. I'm like, religious freedom for Christians, right. period. Yeah. Don't even pretend it extends to anyone else. Don't even pretend. Like, yep. just again, and people are like, well, what about this place? What? I'm like, those are pockets. Like, yeah. a pockets do not make a country. Yep. So I think for me, it's like, when you asked if I had hope, there are different colors, different creeds, different religions, different sexualities of people that are running for office. Like my friend is trans ran for Congress, like a drag queen running for city council in, in New York. Yeah. People are, and they're going, oh my God, you're embarrassing the, what? Yeah. Congress is such a high office. Y'all are a hot mess. Thank you. Thank so you. really like some of y'all work in Congress and went to the Capitol, right? Like yep. how, what? Like I, this is not, you know, the fact that Clarence Thomas literally has a law passed to protect his wife this is america yeah. open your eyes
Yep. Enjoy the fireworks, but open your eyes. Yeah, like, that's I'm ready, it. I'm ready for, you know, he, he didn't mention loving in his unenumerated rights rant about, you know, you're what you're going to lose your to next. But I'm marriage, like, well, if you're going to dissolute my right to get married, I think we should also question your little interracial situation you got going on. I don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, no, but you're right. You know, it's mm-hmm. what's, I've been like doing a lot of like journaling about the impending doom that I think we're on the verge of. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting because like the, the last civil war, and I say the last civil war because I'm prefacing the next one, um, you know, was very clearly drawn along, along a line. And mm-hmm. now it is very much urban versus suburban. You know, the mm-hmm. city centers are, are mostly the pockets, uh, you know, for the most part of those safe spaces of like minds. Um, and so I'm like, well, how are we going to do this civil war? Like it, our country is going to fully implode because there's no line anymore. It's 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 these pockets that are immersed in these, you know, backwards environments. Like how yeah. it's so I, you know, I was watching Independence Day this morning just, you know, to have a, a good actual film. Day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, they're the, targeting all the big city centers. And I thought this is what they're going to do. Like leftists, you know, none of us own guns except for me, my BB gun. Um, but, you know, like, what are we going to do? I don't know. So my when I think about do I have hope for humanity? I just, I mean, I, I don't even know how to respond to that because I cannot wake up every day if I don't have hope, but also I ain't got much hope right now. Like, mm-hmm. even like just to protect ourselves, like if they come, I mean, with this whole, um, you know, when, when the West Virginia versus the EPA, when they ruled on that, and then next year when they're like really ruling on whether or not states have the right to vote against the people when it comes to the president, like, I just think we're fucked. So I, I have to, I just, but conversations like this are what keep me fueled to think like, you know what, like we have to sharpen each other. We have to keep each other lifted. We have to Mm -hmm. be safe spaces for everybody else so that we can keep pummeling through and, and protect this democracy, protect this idea that we all can cohabitate. I literally forgot it was a democracy. (laughs) No, truth. I literally forgot. I mean, I think America has spent so much time you know, inserting itself into other people's governments and politics and and all on the, like, we're bringing democracy without really understanding what democracy is. And, yeah. you know, we, they, you know, turn their nose up at the Middle East where the ballots get lost and they have election collusion. Uh, it does not sound like America right now. Like, right. I don't, you know, so I just think that, like, we need to stop the judgment. We need to stop interfering in other countries, thinking that getting rid of one power, it brings a vacuum and they don't understand the Middle East and they don't, understand how government works there that like you know bribes and other things are very commonplace america goes in with like oh it's like america no it's not and that's why americans tend to get in trouble when they travel because they don't understand travel rights they don't understand there are laws in different countries you cannot bring a weed pen you cannot you cannot do that stuff like you'll end up in prison yep so i think it's like that kind of stuff with americans is like what really frustrates me and and it makes me kind of be like there's no hope is because if you don't have a passport and you don't understand international stuff, like you don't need to have an opinion then. Like if you've never been anywhere and you just are like, America is it, then why do you have an opinion about how like Panama's running their government? I don't get that. Exactly. I know (laughs) when I used to work internationally, because I would spend like, you know, up to nine months at a time overseas. And I would always say, I mean, even with this, thick southern accent i would say i was from canada just to get by so you know hey i'm from canada uh just because i needed especially like when i was in places like turkey like it was getting close to the middle east you know this is you know barely 10 years after 9 11 like we were hated and so i I would always say that i was from canada just to feel safer and like you would not 
hate me or take advantage of me. It's smart. I mean, Americans only love America as much as nobody else in the world does. I know. Like people think America is not, you go other places, they're like, ugh. like in Canada, they paid, um, I think $10 million to remove Trump's name from the hotel. Like that's how they feel about America. Like they don't feel good. So don't yeah. like pretend like this American dream concept. When my parents came here, like, neighbors would make them thanksgiving dinners they would invite them over they would treat them with respect that ain't happening now yeah like that is not happening now anymore people are not doing foreign exchange students are not taking people in and yeah. you know none of that it's like oh oh refugee that's just i don't want to talk about it yeah you know my biggest so. pet peeve uh, right now because it's summertime and so all the kids are out of school are mission trips that christians go on and i went on a ton of mission trips you know even today i saw one of, of somebody you know posting going to going to peru to spread god's love and i'm like bitch if you're putting a contingent on them on you building a school for them you know only if they accept god's salvation like that's not doing the, the will of the lord that's serving your yeah. own ego of course um, and it's just of course i just think about like the people that i used to interact with when i would go on mission trips in high school like it breaks my heart to think that i would tell you know tell this poor little dominican boy that in order for me to you know continue giving him food and me serving him it's because he has to agree with my view of the divine that is so abusively fucked up. And I think, did I create trauma in this? I mean, I, I'm sure that's an, my ego talking, like, you know, that he would even remember me. But like, I, this little boy named Tomiko specifically, I actually have a conch shell that he gave me in my living room as a reminder oh, wow. of colonialism because wow. it, I, I was a part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, when I think about like us going into these other countries to spread democracy it's, or spread evangelism, this colonialism has to fucking stop. It's it religious colonialism. Stop. Yeah. 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 Um, tell me a joke. <laughs> tell me something. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, you know, like, and I just, I mean, I remember like, this is pretty, I mean, it's fucked up, but it's kind of funny. But I, when I was very religious, like very, very devout, we would sit around and talk about everyone. You know, so-and-so drank, so-and-so had sex or going to hell. It's like, it was like a list of the hell goers. And it's like, looking back, I'm like, that was a lot of balls on my part to sit around and go, oh, so-and-so is going to hell because they went to Coachella. And I remember being at Coachella and being like, this is fine. Like, yeah. you can, ch listen, I think that people don't understand is that you can go anywhere and still follow the path of God. Like, you don't yeah. need to do the drugs and the sex. And, and, and even if you do that, you could still be on the path to God. Like, I don't, there's this idea where it's or like, not. who cares? Or who cares? <laughs> really, though, who cares? I think that's really what it is. And I think that I spent so much time not praising God and being in judgment yeah. that now, as I'm less judgmental, I mean, no one's free of judgment. I don't believe in that. Is that I'm, you know, a lot less judgmental that I actually have time to praise God in moments, yeah. right? If you aren't marveled by a monarch butterfly or a bird that's flying or whatever, that's pretty amazing. And so if that's not going to make you see God, nothing else is. Yep. In my opinion, right? So, and I can, I just think that there's so much beauty in the world that if we just focus on that instead of being like, this with our Bible, this with our Quran, then you might actually like see what's happening in the world. And it's easy to sequester yourself. I mean, a lot of monks say it's much easier to cut yourself off from society and be sequestered. I've done silent retreats. I've been sequestered for days. It's so much easier. Girl, I have no greater wish in the world than to be sequestered. <laughs> God, no, I, I mean, I live in, I mean, I, I live in a very great neighborhood in Los Angeles, but I still, if I didn't live here, like I would, I, and I still think about, should I just move to the desert? Like be stoned all day, talk to the divine, however I see the divine that day. 
Mm-hmm. Me, me and my dog, just like, you know, worshiping through nature. Like, that yes. is my heaven. That sounds nice. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. Maybe like, I don't know, grow my own wine. I don't know, you don't grow wine. I don't know. I just, I'm so ready for question and away from, from other humans. Uh, yes. Not yes. just for my sake, but also for the other humans that I engage with. <laughs> Uh, I get that. Tell me what you would say to the divine were they standing before you today. I'd be like, girl, what is the deal with Florida? We need to talk about (laughs) Florida. We need to talk about the alligators and the people and the eating of the face. I need to know what is going on over there. Like, what's in the food? What's in the water? Like, what were you thinking? But no, if I was really going to ask a question, I mean, all jokes aside, I think I would say, why did you make me gay? Like, I want to know. Like, was it for me to find purpose was it to push my parents to be better people because i really do believe even if they haven't gone like ooh all the way they've made some progress because me existing like i said alone a lot pushes them to have to see it like they can't deny it we we know we lived in laguna beach and we had a gay neighbor i can't prove that's why we moved but i feel like that was part of it you know so that they couldn't outrun it and like i think that like i want to be like are you just really good at irony like are you just really good at irony because like i spent so much of my life being like oh that person's so gay that person's so out that person's so fun boy and then i'm like i remember being on a red carpet like talk doing an interview in like a freaking dress and i was like in a wig and i was like hmm this is an irony moment like Mm -hmm. so that's what i would ask is like are you just a master of irony like what's going on Cut to me next time I'm, I'm participating in oral sex. I'll be going down this existential crisis question of like, why did you make me gay? <laughs> <laughs> I always think that, and then I come, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that feels good. That's okay, why. That's, that's why that's I'm why. gay, bitch. Yeah. That's Thank why. You. That's why. Thanks for that. <laughs> yep. Yep. When it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, it's still good. Yeah. So. I'm into that. That okay. See, now we ended on an upper. We spiraled, <laughs> spiraled, spiraled, only to re- resurface. Listen, that's why I'm great on a first date. It's a lot of spiraling, a lot of stress, <laughs> and then I'm really good at the end of the date. So, right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so thankful to get to talk to you. You have just been thank a bright you. spot in my day and week. Uh, thank you for letting me vent. Thank you for venting to me. Thank you for advocating for the religion in which you were raised, uh, mm-hmm. for your community. I genuinely appreciate you. I hope you take care of yourself so you can see, so you can keep speaking um, and keep helping people feel seen and heard. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for creating the space. I think it's really important that like people feel comfortable to share their truth, you know, and not to feel judged. So thank you for that. Next time you're up in my neighborhood, give me a call. We'll hang, okay? I would love that. I would All right, absolutely take love care. That. Thank you. And all the people said, gay men. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Fagnostic Podcast hosted by me, Matt Hayes. You can find me at matthayes.com. That's M-A-T-H-A-Y-E-S.com or on just the millennial socials at Hayes on it. H-A-Y-E-S on it. Please go subscribe, review, and share this podcast. And in the meantime, peace be with all y'all. Hi, Michael Spicer here. Matt Hayes forgot to put my name in the credits of his podcast as the composer, but I'm here to tell you that I wrote the music for his podcast. Whatever the f- it's called, I don't know.